Hosanna, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Welcome to Palm Sunday Worship from Jessup First United Methodist Church. I'm Rebecca Duke Barton, the pastor, and in just a moment, you'll hear from my husband, Garth, who is the pastor of Epworth United Methodist Church. Today, we remember that a Jesus-shaped life is a cross-shaped life. Hey folks, Garth here. Today begins in celebration as Jesus comes into Jerusalem in triumph. But as we move into the readings for the Passion, it ends in sorrow as Jesus walks out of Jerusalem and is crucified on a cross. We have two gospel lessons from Luke as we hear the story of Holy Week. Luke 19, 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it, it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is a king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Steve Cordell points out in his book, A Jesus-Shaped Life, that if we want to become like Jesus, our question should be, what is Jesus like? That's why we've spent the last six weeks carefully studying his character. The title of the chapter we've read for this week is The Mission of Jesus, and this is it. It's a mission to save the world that God so loves. It's a mission that leads to the cross. What does Jesus look like? He looks like someone willing to stretch out his body in the shape of a cross and die because of his great love for us. Will you listen as we read the Passion Gospel? It's from Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 32. Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? 
And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus loves sinners. I don't know why, but he does. People were always complaining about how Jesus ate with sinners. He didn't have the proper social decorum to know that you don't sit down with prostitutes and tax collectors. But Jesus loved sinners. He loves the people whom society has cast aside. He loves the unnamed woman in Luke who washed his feet with her hair. He loves the lost sheep and the lost coin and the prodigal son. He loves the older son who never came home but was still far from the father. He loves Zacchaeus, even though he'd become rich on other people's misery. And he loves the rich young ruler who chose not to follow him. Jesus loves the people who have done the worst things. And even on the cross, even when they were crucifying him, Jesus kept right on loving sinners. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Jesus died between two sinners. Luke's the only one who records this conversation for us. One thief was cursing and complaining, but the other knew he was a sinner. He knew he deserved what he was getting. He looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded out of love and grace, Today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't deserve it, that thief on the cross. But then none of us do. We don't deserve the love and the grace that Jesus pours out from the cross. But he did it anyway because Jesus loves sinners. Every year during Lent, I participate in a Lenten devotional called Lent Madness. It's a devotional with brackets like March Madness, but instead of basketball teams, it's the stories of saints. Though this year, Villanova and Gonzaga were up against each other. Not the universities, but the saints that they're named for. I became aware of it when Charles Wesley was in a bracket and my church history professor was encouraging all the Methodists to vote for Mr. Wesley. He won the golden halo that year. I love reading about all the stories of people who have lived Jesus-shaped lives, who have sacrificed their own comfort for the sake of the gospel, who have given their lives to heal the sick, comfort the afflicted, and eat with sinners to show the love and grace of God. A few years ago, the thief on the cross came up as one of the saints. Tradition calls him Dismas. He was in the Bible category, and he was in a bracket against Tabitha. Lots of people in the comments disparaged, including the thief on the cross as a saint. What did he do, really? Tabitha was known for her love and good works, a lifetime of love and good works. The thief on the cross was known for what? Dying beside Jesus? In his dying breath, he said one good thing? Guilty as sin, dying beside the spotless Lamb of God. 
But Dismas is a stark reminder that it isn't a lifetime of good deeds that open up paradise for us. The thief on the cross shows us our human condition before Jesus better than anyone else in the Bible. He had no lifetime of good deeds to bring. He may not have known the perfect words to say, but his plea was this, Jesus, remember me. But for Jesus, that's enough. Because for whatever reason that I'll never fully understand, he loves sinners. And he pours out his love and grace from the cross on all of us, whether we realize how sinful we are or not. He still has loved us so much. He loved us so much that he became human for us and for our salvation. As that great hymn in Philippians 2 tells us, Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Luther called what happened on the cross the holy exchange. Jesus exchanged his place in glory to take our place, to become a human being. He took on our suffering. He took on our sin. In this holy exchange, Jesus gave us his righteousness, his love, his life. In the holy exchange, we became in his likeness. As Athanasius tells us, he became what we are so we could become what he is. The cross is an invitation to come and be like him, to be formed in his likeness, to be restored to the image of God that God always intended for you. Admittedly, for a moment on Palm Sunday, it looked like the story might be different, that a Jesus-shaped life could be a parade, a celebration with palms and hosannas. Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, the multitudes of his disciples celebrating his arrival in Jerusalem but it was only days later that he left Jerusalem to be crucified on a hill outside the city. The Palm Sunday shouts of Hosanna gave way to the shouts of crucify him. Jesus' love for sinners leads him to the cross. Our love for Jesus, though, leads us to the cross, too. Jesus calls us not only to accept his death on the cross, but to take up our own cross and follow him. Instead of promising comfort and easy living, Jesus promises the way of the cross. And so the way of the cross means that we take a difficult path of surrender and self-sacrifice. Jesus asks us to turn the other cheek when it's the most natural thing in the world to hit back. Jesus asks us to love our enemies when, quite frankly, they would not be our enemies if they were so lovable. Jesus asks us to care for those who are poor when we'd rather take care of ourselves. Jesus says in order to save our lives, we must lose them. If we're becoming like Christ, if we have the mind of Christ, the, the mind of Christ, as Paul puts it, it'll be obvious. Philippians 2 describes a Jesus-shaped life. We have compassion and sympathy. We love. We do nothing from selfish ambition, but in humility, regard others better than ourselves. 
We look not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. That's what Christians look like because that's what Jesus looks like. We see it so definitively there on the cross. Living a Jesus-shaped life means being part of the mission of Jesus, living our lives for the sake of others. I know it's so upside down for the world as we know it. Our world that tells us that you deserve everything. Live your best life. This life is about all that you can get out of it. But instead, Jesus invites us to take up our cross and follow him. Cordell writes, if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to go where he's going, which is to the lost. It's impossible to take on Jesus's character and remain disinterested in his mission. Of course, the reverse is also true. We cannot accomplish his mission without sharing his character. In living the mission of Jesus, we are always pointing back to Jesus on the cross because that's where we see the fullness of God's love revealed. And that's where we're invited to live in that cross-shaped life, overflowing with love. When we take up our crosses, we are becoming like him, not in our own merit, but because Jesus gave up his life for us and for our salvation. The thief on the cross knew he didn't deserve it. And yet Jesus invited him in because Jesus loves sinners. And the thing about it is, he loves a sinner like me. And he loves a sinner like you. And so it's an invitation. We're all the thief on the cross with no righteousness of our own to bring. But Jesus gives us his righteousness. He forms us in his likeness. And he gives us new life through his death. The French writer Henry Barbusse wrote a memoir called Under Fire about his experiences during World War I. He writes of a battle where his regiment had attacked the German lines and had to retreat under heavy gunfire. They made it back to a trench they had dug and it was muddy and machine guns were firing and bullets were going just over his head. In the trench, there were two other men. One was horribly wounded, and it was clear that he wasn't going to recover. That dying soldier grabbed a companion by the arm and pulled him close, but he had to shout so that the other man could hear because there was all the gunfire. He was shouting loudly enough that our author could overhear the conversation. And so it turns out the man who was wounded and was dying knew a secret about his friend. The friend was a criminal who had joined the army to escape the police. And so shouting over the gunfire, the dying man said, when the war is over, the police will arrest you and send you to jail to pay for your crimes. They know where you are. They're just waiting to see if you can make it out alive. Now is your chance. Give me your identification, your dog tags, your wallet and your papers and I'll give you mine. And when I die, your crimes will die with me. You will have a new name and a new life. With tears running down his face, the man, Dominic, exchanged identities with his friend and held him in his arms as he died.
The dying man knew his secret, knew his crimes, knew who he had been. But they exchanged identities and he left that ditch a new man with a new life. Dominic in the ditch, the dying thief on the cross. And you and me, the holy exchange. We started Lent by marking our foreheads with the sign of a cross. I hope that we've spent Lent making our lives into the shape of a cross because a Jesus-shaped life is a cross-shaped life. This Holy Week, I invite you to gaze on him, to look at the wonderful cross, to turn your eyes upon Jesus, dive into his story, Participate in Holy Week as you can. At our church, we have Holy Week lunches every day at noon. Maybe where you are, you have an opportunity to participate in something for Holy Week. Or pick up your Bible and start in Luke 19 and read forward from there. But most of all, accept his love. Accept his forgiveness. Accept the new life he offers you. Will you exchange your life for a Jesus-shaped life? Christ has already offered his up for you. Thanks be to God.